Hello and welcome back to the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is episode 113. My name is Rob Woods and this is the show for anyone who works in fundraising, who wants ideas and maybe a dose of inspiration to help you raise more money and really enjoy your job. This time, if you're looking for ways to improve the success of your next individual giving campaign or to inspire some supporters to make a major gift, then I hope you're going to find this a really helpful listen. Because today we're looking at match funding and how it can be a powerful catalyst for extra generous giving at both levels. I was delighted to talk to an innovative and experienced fundraiser named Ilana Jackman about some stunning results that have been achieved by the development team at a university that she's been working with. As always, when I talk to Ilana, I got lots of ideas and insights from this interview, and I hope you find it helpful too. Ilana Jackman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. So Ilana, you and I have known each other for quite a while. I'm not going to put how many years on it, but we both used to work for the same children's charity. And even then, I would enjoy catching up with you now and again to find out interesting, different ideas that most other people hadn't thought of doing. And then really, that's been the pattern, I think, for our working relationship ever since, in that now and again, we have a chat. And I always say, oh, how are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And is it working? So I, for a while, intended to enable the listeners to this show to benefit from those interesting things you do, not just me. And with that in mind, a month or two ago, you mentioned some interesting things you've been doing to do with match funding campaigns and the power of a match funding campaign to cause an uplift in various results for fundraisers. I guess just before we get into that, though, to place it in context, you've been working fundraising for quite a while. What's your role now? So I'm a fundraising coach and consultant now. I work with fundraisers individually but I also work with whole teams of fundraisers I work with volunteers I do training as well I do work on campaigns uh, which is what we're going to talk about today a bit of legacies and some fundraising strategy so really anything that a charity needs in order to drive up their income yeah excellent and I know that one of your specialities has always been the high value space among others so the gist of this example you said was Using match funding, as in seeking out major donors to see if they would chip in with what they could afford, that you can then use as part of what the fundraisers say, in this case, I think on the phone, to increase the attractiveness to other donors that they would want to donate. So do you want to tell us the gist of what you did there and top line, whether it was effective? Yeah. Well, let me start with whether it was effective. So it categorically was. There was an 11% increase in the giving rate for the campaign as a whole, and that's against the six-year average, and a 31% increase in the giving rate amongst previous donors. They were one-off gift donors. So against the six-year average, 31% increase in that. Uh, So the results were really strong. It was also a far greater, and we'll get into this, but a far greater proportion of the gifts were regular than ever before instead of getting one-off gifts we were getting regular gifts which obviously is what you want when you're running a campaign yeah that's so valuable isn't it that that notion that if we make calls to some people some of them are going to be generous if they care about our cause but if you can increase the number of those that are not giving a one-off gift but are choosing to give for instance every month yeah that's such an extra value yeah for the university 
yeah so what you want is 100% of people to give a regular gift and the proportion was increased by 40% so that was it was really significant but the idea came from having worked on 36 hour campaigns which are online campaigns where a bunch of ambassadors do peer-to-peer fundraising and so a bunch of major donors give let's say 100,000 pounds and then a bunch of volunteers volunteer to be ambassadors and they ask their friends and family to to give to match and I saw that working really really well on the online space I've been coaching those campaigns I coached a couple of campaigns and it struck me that the university that I was working with and this is quite common amongst universities who do phone campaigns on a twice a year basis that they could really use this to make the phone campaigns easier basically or more successful yeah I love it and I think when we you and I were talking the other day you were saying it really is win-win because not only does it make the request for a donation more attractive to the person you're telephoning but you're also saying it can help the major donor themselves be more generous yeah. do you want to say a little bit about yeah. what you found in well, this case the reason that i sort of started thinking about this so i give you a bit of context that during covid some universities stopped doing their phone campaigns for various reasons it was a bit less workable and they felt like they weren't the most important cause and so they sort of took a step back whereas at the university that I was working with that was absolutely not possible because the demographic of the students was such that they were some of the worst affected by COVID if you think about how you fund your life as a student 75% of the students at that university needed a job in order to survive and most of those jobs were affected by COVID regulations. So we had to step up our fundraising, not step back. It was just a much harder time to fundraise. And so that's the context of where the idea came from. And with major donors, I mean, so four major donors made up the majority of that pot. Two of them had lapsed during COVID. So in the previous kind of year of COVID, And two of them, one gave four times the gift that he had given before, and another gave the maximum gift that he sort of gave. So he he did give regularly, sometimes at 50%, sometimes at 75%, and he gave 100% of the biggest that he would ever give. So it really impacted how they gave. And one of the really interesting things was that one of the donors who gave for the first time, I was speaking to the fundraiser who um, worked with him, the key worker, and she said, it was just like I had finally found the thing. So I'd been to him with lots of things that he'd agreed to in principle, but had never quite happened. And when I mentioned this, I just felt like there was a genuine spark. I felt like he genuinely was gonna now do it and not only has he done that he's given again with the campaign that's just started now so he's given two gifts in one year having never given before yeah and I, I guess a key element of fundraising I hope for most of us is to understand that our donors are different increasingly many major donors are more entrepreneurial they are successful business people mm. and it seems to me that for that kind of supporter who cares about your cause, yeah, the makeup of, of entrepreneurs or many of them is the excitement of explosive growth or yeah. insight about a particular mechanic that enables you to grow your business quicker or help twice as many of your customers. That mechanic, apart from anything else, they might be more likely to even meet 
your fundraiser from your charity because there's this exciting opportunity to offer them. And then in the meeting, the more they think about it, if they care about your cause, I could see why it would get them excited. I think that what many of the major donors said was things along the lines of, I really like the fact that this is going to encourage other alumni to do what I'm doing. So they don't want to be out there on their own being the only people who realise that this thing is important. They want other people to join in too. You know how so often with major donors, they don't want to pay for the whole of a project because they feel like, you know, don't just come to me, don't just rely on me. So this idea that it's going to precipitate others, it's going to trigger others to become regular donors too, at whatever level they can support, is very, very attractive. It's a warm feeling as well. So it's not just they're providing several bursaries and scholarships whatever number it was they're doubling that number so they've now enabled six scholarships and you know and given six scholarships so i'm imagining some pretty pleased major donors at the point where the fundraiser who works with them is feeding back to them and i'm just in terms of the mechanics of that across a campaign of some calls running I, i guess for four weeks or something did you find that the fundraiser had an extra reason to to give any of the major donors an update on how things were going. So one of the really nice things that we did was we got the student callers to phone the major donors as part of their calling and not obviously ask them for more money, but to talk to them about how it was going. And you asked me about unexpected impact. Yes, we thought fundraising would be slightly easier for the student callers, but it was a huge boost to them. They said they wanted to make their thanks known to the major donors. Thank you for inspiring others to participate. It was really gratifying for them. They said this was my second campaign and I noticed a real difference. This time, many more people said they were having a harder time financially and weren't in a position to give. And having the match funding encouraged more people to donate. I could hear their ears prick up when I told them how their money would be doubled so they could help twice as many students. It really made a difference between getting and not getting a donation this campaign. I love those, Ilana. I've never done that role of making call after call like that. And I can only imagine... If your first five calls aren't going well, even the the best of us, the most confident and strong willed of us, your morale is going to dip a little, isn't it? And and yet I sense that if you've got this extra valuable prize, you've got to share with them. If someone is not overjoyed to hear from you, to be able to at least let them know about this opportunity is going to put you on the front foot, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody else said, all of our student callers were also very grateful for this catalyst to enable us to be successful. They're passionately, many of the student callers are themselves recipients of hardship grants and bursaries and scholarships because that's the makeup of that group. Um, On top of that, they're living with many, many friends who are really, really struggling. So they are hugely devoted and want to succeed and coming across other people's apathy or questions you know as you said kind of the stuff that you get when you do a calling campaign so it meant a lot to them and since then so with the campaign we've just launched we invited some of the major donors from last campaign into the calling room during the training to meet some of the callers and it was a really lovely experience for both sides and they were able to say it really helped us and major donors were able to tell them their experience these are people who are successful in the world of business so they were giving them sales advice you know it's really kind of a very special encounter hi it's rob and i wanted to quickly let you know about our two flagship programs 
designed to help you grow high value fundraising results. That's Major Gifts Mastery and Corporate Partnerships Mastery, which both start again in late January 2023. These programs help you make progress through a combination of masterclasses and individual coaching support. To give you a sense of the impact they can have, I found it's most interesting to hear from people who've done the programs. So here's a brief clip from Grace Cannings, who you may remember from episode 112, and who recently completed Major Gifts Mastery. In this clip, she's talking about how the program helped not only her skills, but also her confidence. I think going back to being kind of more confident, I'd say that it's helped me become more calm in meetings with donors. And I know, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks after our first session, I was in a meeting with a donor and managed to secure a 25K gift from them, which was incredible. And it was the first meeting I'd actually run by myself without anybody else from my team being there. So it felt like a really big win for me. And then also alongside that, we've had more people renewing their donations and gifts. And I think just generally the level of communication that I've been able to give with people has been great. Yeah, I just implore anybody to go on this course. It's been fantastic. If you'd like to find out more about either of these two programs, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. Right now, let's get back to our conversation about matched funding. So I love that angle, Ilana, of not only helping the major donors and the people who might choose to give, but also from the point of view of those people making those calls, this is beneficial to them as well. I just wonder... It's quite a complex project in a way. Were there any other angles to it which you found interesting or powerful? Yeah. So as I said at the start, it was that conversion. We wanted people to become regular donors, not one-off donors. It's obviously a huge investment to do a calling campaign. And so the best outcome is to get regular donors. And so not all gifts were matched. Only regular gifts were matched. And that was deliberate. And... I talked about proportions before, it it made a huge impact. There was one guy who actually set up two gifts, two regular gifts. So because the first regular gift wasn't going to start for a couple of weeks because of direct debits, et cetera, can only start on a certain day of the month. um, He set up a regular monthly gift and then he set up a regular annual gift so that he could give right now and it would be doubled. So rather than a one-off, which wouldn't be doubled. So he's got two regular gifts with the university to support students for the foreseeable. And another thing that we were told by the callers that people wanted to make a one-off gift, but when they heard that it would be doubled if they gave a regular gift, firstly, alumni were really moved by that. It's incredible that there are people out there who are doing all they can to ensure as many students as possible are helped and given opportunities they wouldn't otherwise have. That's one quote. So people who'd initially offered to give a single one-off gift after discussing the match funding really understood the impact that it was going to have and it was going to be doubled and so made monthly gifts. That was really powerful and that was what we wanted to achieve. One thing we didn't expect, which was really really interesting was the impact on upgrades so as with so many inventions and innovations they're often a mistake and one of our callers went rogue they weren't supposed to offer the matches with two upgrades because actually we had a really high rate of upgrades and we didn't want to spend the whole matched pot 
on the upgrade amount. So, so just when we say upgrade, you mean that sometimes this university, part of its activity is to call people who are already giving, for yes. instance, £10 yes. a month, yes. and say, thank you so much for the amazing difference you're making already. I wonder if you would consider if you could be even more generous because it's a particularly difficult time. That's an upgrade call. Yes. And the university would have done that activity sometimes anyway, and yes. never before had this university used the match as part of what that caller might say. And in fact, it, what you're saying is it wasn't even planned that they should. Yeah. But if, so carry on with what happened. They were supposed to just be offering this limited pot of match giving on new regular gifts. So somebody offered it on um, upgrades and the results were really impressive. So usually 31% of regular donors say yes to increasing their gift. That is really high. And we weren't sure that we would have much more success than that. And it jumped to 47%. So that's a 50% again increase in the participation of upgrades. So, and that was during a global financial squeeze. Okay, we're talking about this year. You don't expect so, upgrades. You expect so already, while that was happening, many people this year have already been struggling with prices increasing and the media has been reporting about cost of yes. living crisis yes. in the backdrop of that messaging about how money and prices and, and squeeze you were getting those results on those upgrade calls yes and so obviously then we rolled it out to everybody we said you know get going and adjusted the the scripts so that was unexpected and that was fantastic and those are do long-standing donors as well and obviously your concern always with a new regular donor is about the cancellation period, right? Um, how many months they're going to give for. Um, with, a, with an existing donor, therefore an, an upgrade, you're much more likely to not have that problem. So that was, yeah, that was really valuable. And just as a by the by, isn't it interesting how, like, you're right, when you just get on and try things... Inevitably, some things won't go according to plan. Isn't there that um, classic story of how penicillin was invented? Exactly. The penicillin was where I was going with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but again, as in hindsight, you know, we could say, oh, well done, everybody. But the truth is there are times when a, quote, rogue fundraiser is trying to do things differently or has done things differently and they just get told off. So, again, I would say hats yeah. off to the fundraisers, to the team, to the leadership in the university where you've been working for creating a culture where A, that happened, and, and B, we were curious enough to find out and yeah. learn from it rather than that person just get in trouble. Yeah, you sort of look at their numbers. Oh, that's going brilliantly. Why is that? Oh, what have you been doing? Okay, interesting. It seems to be working. Right, let, let's do it. And, you know, I've been one of those rogue fundraisers before, as you will remember, Rob. I know, and that's um, why I've... That's why I needed to say that during this particular interview. Ilana. Exactly. I, I, I love innovation and I, I love innovation. I love the opportunity. You know, that's why I love what I do to work with people and to say, well, hang on a minute. Let's try it this way or let's do that interesting thing. Or, you know, no computer says no or less of it. Yeah. And yeah. I guess, although this is not the main topic for today, but at this point in history where the world is changing so fast politically, economically, socially, and so on, everything's changing so quick. We just do need to create cultures where our fundraisers are given confidence to try things and do things and then come back and talk about whether they did or didn't work. The more as leaders, we can send signals that that's needed and appreciated 
it just maximizes the chances that we'll find the next good idea that wasn't in our initial plan before yeah. the world changed in unpredictable ways yet again. But I don't want to go off on that tangent. Yeah, whole yeah other absolutely. Episode. But, yes. but yeah, absolutely. Um, bring you back to the main topic. I wonder if the listener is thinking, you know, we need everything we can possibly get to increase the chances that our donors will give or decide to give regularly in whatever kind of campaign we're doing, but we've never gone to a major donor before to request this way of giving. Mm -hmm. Do you have two or three tips for things that we should bear in mind if we're going to reach out to our major donor for them to give a matched gift? Yeah, so we focused on lapsed donors and donors who it was hard to get over the line. So where we've been working for a while at, you know, kind of involve, engage and not quite got the gift. And just because it's a device that might unlock that and get them to pay attention. And in terms of what you say to them, the work, it's always about the impact, the gift you're giving and the impact it's going to have on, in this case, struggling students who you know might be forced to make a decision that affects the rest of their life if we don't just give them a couple of hundred quid you know and it's often as little as that right that makes the difference and then it's about inspiring others to follow your example to join you so by giving in this way you unlock other people's willingness to support that work to look at you as a role model but also to see that they can double their impact they can increase their impact so I was explaining to you that with the online matched campaigns when you put in 50 quid it turns to 100 pounds in front of your eyes and so you get that lovely hit of seeing that you're a 100 pound donor and it says on all the materials on the whole website that you've given 100 quid when you haven't so yeah the psychology that they will affect other people and get other people to participate and do what they're doing as well. And I think that's really powerful. I mean, I don't think it needs much more sell than that, really, that you're not only going to do good, you're going to get others to do good. And so whatever you're doing, it will be twice as impactful. Yes. And just in terms of technically or practically what you actually say to that donor you're meeting, inviting them to consider doing it this way, do you say, obviously, I can't ask you to write a completely blank check. Do you basically ask them what their upper limit would be? Usually you ask them to make a gift and then that is the amount that they're giving. So it's not kind of what's your upper limit, how successful is our campaign? And then you just you just keep giving. They will commit X amount to the campaign. So, yeah. Would you like to support 15 students in hardship grants? Mm. And then you'll unlock another 15 hardship grants by giving in this way great i see all throughout the whole conversation as with the people one would be telephoning that donor is getting the excitement of helping 30 students not 15 exactly and, and i think you're saying a key advantage of that for instance or in any campaign but especially if it's that sort of giving day or 36 hour push is that it's a way of inviting the major donor to be very public and noisy about it and see if they can invite their contacts to join them in doing this good thing? 
absolutely so you know the question is always who else do you think would like to be part of this and so encouraging them to consider others or to give you names or to you know ask others as well I think the urgency thing is part of the piece I was just thinking you know with major donors with both the student campaign and the 36 hour campaigns it's a reason to give now this minute so I think a lot of charities struggle with but why should I give now and we've got a campaign starting and if you give a gift it will be doubled just increases that kind of reason to actually get on with it and stop kind of questioning it thinking about it wondering considering etc and it does the same thing on the side of the regular donor that if you give now it will be doubled yes that makes sense Ilana and I don't know not necessarily asking for examples but I I like the fact that you, you were saying usually this is an established technique that runs for those giving days or 36 hour campaigns but as it's relatively rare to use it in a phone campaign like this, but then it's causing me to think the next question is, could it increase the success rate of other types of appeal that a charity is planning, not necessarily using phone calls, but an email campaign or or some other appeal for a particular project? Could the same match technique improve results, do you think? Yes, I think it totally could. I think it's a device that is inspiring to donors and is attractive on both sides, your major donors and those giving smaller amounts. So I can totally see that if you had a time limited campaign that was trying to achieve some impact or total or or something, that the idea that your contribution, because sometimes it feels like, you know, will my £10 make a difference. So the idea that your contribution will be doubled, I think definitely inspires people to give where they might not have. So yeah, I would definitely consider it across Christmas and other campaigns. Yeah. Mm, Thank you. So Ilana, I'd love to go into more and more depth, but um, already it's going to be quite a long episode, I think. Before we wrap up if people are listening to this and thinking that it's really interesting stuff but they'd like to just follow up and ask you a question or anyway they're interested in in getting in touch with you maybe finding out about the kinds of things you do to help charities where could they find out more um so i'm on linkedin ilana jackman i-l-a-n-a jackman as it sounds uh ilanajackman.com and people could just email me ilana at ilanajackman.com or go onto my website i write lots of blogs as you know So lots of this stuff is in blogs and you can get advice that way as well. But I'm always happy for a chat and to talk to people about ideas and what their challenges are and what some of the things I've seen in the charities I've worked with. Because as you go around working with different charities, you see lots of different ideas, lots of different scenarios and challenges. And yeah, I learn as much as I teach. It's fair to say. So, yeah, I like to always share that and pass that on to people. Great. Well, I've learned so much again Ilana from talking to you so thank you ever so much for making time to come and share these ideas and discoveries I really appreciate it I look forward to catching up with you another time to see what the next installment might be of these interesting things you're up to but for now Ilana thanks so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me well I hope you found our conversation helpful I'm excited about the new episodes we're putting together at the moment So if you've not already subscribed to the Fundraising Bright Spots show, please do that now so that you don't miss out. You can find a full transcript and a short summary of today's episode in the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. 
If you'd like to find out more about Corporate Partnerships Mastery or Major Gifts Mastery, because we weren't able to fit everyone onto the last program, we've decided to bring forward the date of the next ones to start in late January 2023. To find out more, check out the info on our website, brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. If you enjoyed today's episode, then I'd be incredibly grateful if you'd take a moment to share it on with your colleagues or on social media so that we can help as many charities as possible. Ilana and I are both on LinkedIn and on Twitter, I am at Woods underscore Rob. Thank you so much for listening today. Best of luck with your fundraising and I look forward to sharing more Bright Spot stories with you very soon.